If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, Welcome to, to our, our podcast, Growing, Growing Up With Galdem. Before we get down to it with the podcast, we just wanted to make you aware that this podcast mentions sexual assault and rape. Today we are incredibly excited and honoured to be joined by um, Chanel Miller, who is an activist, writer and artist 
who received her BA in Literature from the College of Creative Studies at the University of California in Santa Barbara. Um, and in 2019, she published her seismic memoir, Know My Name, the survivor of the Stanford sexual assault case tells her story, reclaiming her identity for the first time, which is also out in paperback this year. It tells the story of her assault by Brock Turner and exposes the arduous nature of the US legal system. In the summer of 2020, she exhibited her artwork in a museum for the first time and her piece for San Francisco's Asian Art Museum was titled I Was, I Am, I Will Be is a reflection on the process of healing. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Liv and Charlie. I'm happy to be here with you all. To kick us off, as you know, the podcast is all about growing up. And I don't know about you, but I have felt like during this period of like the pandemic and COVID-19, it's kind of almost felt a bit like a growth spurt, if that makes sense. Like even though we're all adults and um, yeah, in our uh, almost in our late 20s. How old are you now, Chanel, actually? Are you? Are you... I'm 28. Yeah. So yeah, we're around the same age. I'm, I'm turning 27 in like a month's time. I'm like, ah, late 20s, here we go. Um, but yeah, I was wondering what, if anything, have you learned about yourself sort of during this weird, uncertain period of time? Um, where has it taken you? I sort of appreciate that everyone's emotions are so raw right now that they're even harder to be concealed. I think we do a much better job of tucking away what we're feeling in our normal day-to-day lives um, because there are so many distractions. And I think when you're forced to sit with yourself, it's impossible to not feel things or acknowledge what you're feeling. I think when we're dealing with so much on the news and at home and don't have outlets, um, our frustration shows, our deep sadness shows, and I think everyone is being exposed as extremely human. And I think it's forced us to come up with more language around how to tell other people when you're not doing well and Mm -hmm. say, you know, sorry, I can't show up for this meeting today because I just can't mentally get there or I'm taking care of something else. And I think um, before it might have been seen as more of like a personal failure if you can't show up every day. And now everyone's way more understanding that um, we can't expect all of us to be constantly there. We don't know what's going on in our personal lives or how we're being affected. So I think there's a greater, hopefully a greater sense of compassion and also space to express when you're not doing well yeah it's like maybe one of the few positives out of this situation has that been something that you've sort of experienced in your sort of working life or just like with your friends having more raw conversations or yeah I mean I think even after the book launch I was so excited to get going and become visible and I was saying yes to everything and there was so much momentum and I could feel myself burning out beneath everything, but I didn't know how to stop mm-hmm. this moving train. And I was having breakdowns independently on my own, but still like mustering the energy to show up and give everything each time I was present in the public eye. And so I think having a hard stop, you know, I could finally breathe a little bit and sort of reassess moving forward what I actually want to be doing and also why I was saying yes to so many things. You know, I think part of it was the sense of scarcity and being afraid that um, people will only want to see me when they want to see me. Um, So I must say yes when when the opportunity is there rather than, you know, I need to rest right now. And if I choose to speak later, I hope they'll 
make space for me. And I hope that I can trust that they will. So sort of just letting go of that fear of scarcity and trusting that people will be around for a long time and that whenever I'm ready, they'll be there for me. Yeah, that's very, that's a very kind of normal fear, isn't it? That that you know, if if it's if it doesn't happen today, it will never happen. But I agree. I I really do hope that that compassion will be the biggest and the best thing to ha- to have come out of what has been a horrible situation for sure. So we first interviewed you in late 2019, and since then you've had the release of the paperback of your book as well as this exhibition, which is so exciting. Um, me and Charlie were talking about your your kind of creative work earlier today and it's like beautiful and funny and all the things um how how would you say that life has changed since that since that interview I mean it's beautiful that I don't have to hide anymore I realized there's so much exhaustion that came with um, making sure that no one ever knew what I was feeling or if I was having a difficult day from writing I could never say, well, I just worked on this really hard chapter or I just spent my whole day with court transcripts. I just have to lie and say, oh, I had it was a difficult day at work at my office job, you know, like customer service issues. And I think being able to just express when something is difficult now, even if people can't fix it for me, just being able to talk openly about what I'm going through is so much better. It makes everything so much more bearable. And I also... I've been so stunned by the warmth that I felt. Like when I was preparing to reveal my name, my whole family, we were like preparing to go into battle basically. Like it was so terrifying. We came up with every worst case scenario and I was just hyper fixated on security. I didn't even think about enjoying like book signings and having little cocktail parties. And so over the past year, I've taught myself more and more to relax and let go of some of those fears. Yeah, I think I, I read an article you wrote maybe for Time, which kind of detailed a bit more about the things that you put in place prior to, to sort of releasing your name. And I, yeah, it was it was a lot. It sounded like you had to sort of analyse every aspect of your life where you could be potentially targeted and then put steps in place to, yeah. Absolutely. And that's why when, you know, victims will say, oh, I wish I'd had the courage to do what you did. And I always say it's not about courage. Like security is expensive. It's about resources and the privilege of being able to install security cameras. Like the issue is never your courage. The issue is that we're not creating a safe enough environment for you to feel like you could step forward and instead you have to worry about it costing everything. And that's not okay. No, I just was going to ask if you if you would be happy to read out the snippet that you sent over to us. I don't know if you've got it up in front of you. Yeah, yeah. already. Thank you. So I wrote this diary entry in September of 2015. It was after the first time I testified in the preliminary hearing, which happens months before the actual trial. Um, and so, and after... Word, I was so tired and my sister had to drive back to university and I just got in her car and said, I'm going with you because I felt like we just needed to stick together. So this is, I wrote this before I went to sleep um, next to her. I said, I feel sleepy, but also like I won. Maybe not won completely because no sentence was given, but quietly within me, I won. I did something I was scared to do. 
I did not doubt myself or say sorry. And today my family moved forward together as a unit shifting through the sand. It is weird the way this event has shaped the future little by little. It's why I'm in Cal Poly now. It's weird to think of all the events that led up to the night, but those events don't matter now. The point is, anything can go a billion ways, and it's a miracle that we're here safe. I'm exhausted like my body is carrying around an empty fish bowl. My brain is empty. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I think you're actually the first person we've had on the podcast who is a memoirist, so someone who theoretically at least has spent quite a lot of time reflecting on their past on past bits of their life but I was I was wondering you know how was it to draw or go back and look through your diary entries and and draw out this particular entry did it did it feel the same as it had done in the past when you had to do that or, or did it feel a bit different yeah I mean the reason I wanted to highlight this one was because I said I felt like I had won even though I was so far from the finish line or so far from the guilty conviction Like that wouldn't happen until the following year that we would actually go to trial and get everything done. And I think it's really important to differentiate external victories from personal victories and to also take time to acknowledge something you've done that was really difficult for you, even if it hasn't ultimately solved anything. Um, You have to be able to celebrate those things and also maintain your sanity, especially when you're in something for the long haul. Um, So I just can't stress the importance of having personal markers of victory independent of what's happening externally. And then in terms of memoir, it's, it's funny, like we're all in our 20s and I even had people say like, oh, memoir, like kind of young to be writing a memoir. And I, I was like, what are you talking about? Because... Even when I look at old journal entries when I was trying to find one, there's so many selves that I have that are different. And I'm like, oh, that was that Chanel. Like that was 2015 Chanel, which is not that long ago, but she still feels like a completely different person and so far from where I am now. And I think it's really important not to underestimate how much we've already felt and how much we've been through at this age, you know, your emotions are so potent, like so many things we've experienced for the first time. And I'd argue that that's even harder because the grief is so raw and it's so shocking. And so I think in our 20s, we're obsessed with like upward climbing and growth and like running forward. And it was interesting to be forced to sit down and turn back and really like look over the pieces of my life that have formed who I am today, but I'm really grateful that I had time to do that. And, you know, I've talked about how writing is one of the only socially acceptable ways we have of dwelling in the past. Like in any other format, people would be like, what are you doing? Like move on. So I'm grateful that I I have the tools to do that and also give other people permission to do that. I think it's a really kind of interesting point to raise around the idea of youth and experience and this idea of kind of having multiple versions of self and, um, you know, yeah, just multi- which which we all do, you know, we, we, we change and we evolve. And I think I've definitely been like guilty at times of like undervaluing that youthful experience, like kind of assuming that it's not until I'm 
maybe 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 that really like you know there's value in in sharing certain elements of of my life I think you know your story and what you've been through is so huge and so and so remarkable but I think it's I think it's so um I just think that's a really kind of uh uh, kind of like poignant point to make you know that it's that it's it's important to look back even when it feels like we've got we've lived like small lives in the sense that we're in our um kind of mid or or, or early 20s or whatever that looks like so thank you for sharing that yeah absolutely and I feel like even people in their 50s and un- have to unpack things that happened in their childhood so of it's course. like we can do it now <laughs> or decades later <laughs> <laughs> instead yeah I was I was gonna yeah same I think yeah, what you said about the potency of the emotions as well, I think is so key. And like, I talk about this quite a lot, but I just think the the things I felt as like a teen and in my early 20s were so like visceral and like everything tore you apart and you had to stick yourself back together. Um, and I, I think there's something as as well, sort of going back to this idea of, of um, looking back earlier rather than looking back later, like I I still can feel and remember those emotions when I reread my diary entries in a way that I can imagine that I won't if I was to do the same thing in 50 years time. So again, I think, you know, why not write a memoir in your in your like in your 20s? Like it might actually be closer to your versions of truth or your past selves than it would be if you sort of waited longer. So, yeah, I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. And even just sitting down and figuring out how you think. Like, I feel like writing is a form of respecting how you think. And I realized I had a lot of flawed and outdated ideas about myself. Like, you know, I begin the book saying I'm shy. Like, I have this idea from growing up as an Asian American that I'm reserved and soft-spoken. And, you know, as I was writing, I was like, are these things actually true? Or are these ideas that were given to me and even in court like ways that the defense attorney shaped my identity I definitely absorbed some of those negative ideas and so I think taking time to like lay them out and like actually sort out which ones are mine and which ones I actually believe in and want to take forward um in which one I'm now ready to leave behind from childhood from the courthouse um I think that's really important too. Absolutely. You speak um, in the extract about kind of um, family and being able to move forward together. How would you say your kind of family unit helped to sustain you during your period of healing on this journey? Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear where I was sort of speaking as like the captain of the ship. Like we're all finally shifting forward. Like I, at the beginning, felt like, oh, I got my family into this. Like, if I had taken better care of myself, we wouldn't all be in this position. And so it's my job to get them out. And really, you know, over the year and a half, I weakened and they had to step up in order to take care of me. And I also had to let them do that. You know, even this first time I testified, I didn't let anyone into the courtroom to watch me because I wanted to protect them from seeing me humiliated or upset. And I learned I needed people in there with me. I needed support. And so it was, it was an exercise in learning to ask for help and also learning that I don't have to do this myself. Like it's not my job to save everyone and protect everyone and to just step back sometimes and let them take care of me. And so now I know when to do that. 
I, I, I remember that sentiment from reading the book as well and, and your sort of journey when you decided to tell your parents. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But what had happened and, and that feeling of wanting to protect. And yeah, I could, I could empathize with that a lot. Going back to what you said about this idea of honoring a small step in honouring those personal victories. Did you realise at the time when you were writing this entry that that's what you were doing? Was it a conscious thing or, or was, it, was that a realisation that you had later that, you know, that you'd taken this small step and you'd celebrated it in this way? Yeah, I didn't even, at the time I didn't recognise it as a celebration. I am happy to see that there is a more gentle voice emerging. Um, and I think that was really important to get me through the rest of those months. But yeah, I think we all have our own versions of milestones. And I think sometimes people look at me as someone who like completed the system, completed a book, and I don't feel like a completed person at all. Like all I focus on is how I'm doing each day, you know, how I'm taking care of myself, how much I'm prioritizing my time and my needs when I have so many more demands now. 
and I hope that everyone knows that it's it's independent to them. In terms of another thing that you touched upon in the extract, you speak about everything being able to go in a billion different ways in life, um, and that it's a miracle. I think that 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 we're still here. Could you tell us a little bit more about the thought process behind that? When something bad happens, you become obsessed with the little factors that led up to it happening. And you think that if I could just change or shift one factor, maybe there would have been a different outcome. And then, you know, in this victim impact statement, I wrote about how I realized that there would have been the same outcome because my assailant would have assaulted someone. It just wouldn't have been me. And so that's when I realized, oh, it's not it's not a matter of what I, the little things that I do. It's not about going your whole life, like treating it like an obstacle course, trying not to get assaulted, trying to do the safest thing. It's about changing who we are culturally and societally and not just about saving yourself. And that helped me accept what happened. And then also when I finally met the Swedes five years after the assault, you know, they one of them expressed guilt and I said, why? And he said, um, for not coming five minutes sooner. And I thought that was so funny because I was like, you already, like you are the ones who did everything right in the story and you still think it could have been different. And then I thought we all have these if onlys playing out in our minds. And at the end of the day, like this is all we have. And I'm okay with that. I've just been so stunned by the warmth again. I've been exposed to so much hostility, but on the other end, countering all that hostility has been people, you know, standing behind me as reinforcement and making sure that all that hostility doesn't seep in. So being sort of in the middle (laughs) and watching those different forces play out has been incredible. I I think what you said about um, the the if-onlys and... and not dwelling too much on them perhaps ties slightly back into this idea of of taking things day by day. I don't know if that's what you suggested suggested a bit earlier. And I, I was also thinking back to this. You saying this morning you were reading a book about pigs because that's that's what <laughs> that's what you felt like doing this morning. Um, and it, yeah, I just thought that that was like a good piece of advice to go on. Like you know, if you wake up one day and pigs is all you can do, then do the pigs. Like read about the pigs, and that is <laughs> that is fine. Um, um, but yeah, what what do your days look like at the moment? Are you are you kind of writing? Are you reading? Are you reading about pigs every day? I, yeah, I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> I do read a lot of children's book in the morning. I think it's good to sort of remind yourself of these imaginative realities where things are a little bit more contained and people are generally good hearted (laughs) before you step back into actual reality. I've been journaling a lot, I think, because things are changing so quickly and it's my way of, of processing that change and also building capacity to continue to pay attention to the news and what's happening because you can feel like I took in what I needed to today. I typed it back out and now I can move into the next day. And yeah, I've, I moved to New York the weekend before lockdown. And so it's really just been exploring this new neighborhood. You know, I, I feel it's interesting being in a new place 
when all of this was happening because you don't have the juxtaposition of, oh, it used to be like this. Like I don't have as that layer of grief or I'm not as aware of exactly the specifics of what's missing. And so I've just been observing and just trying to pay attention and trying to notice when restaurants slip away or when their windows go dark. You know, I've been going to protests. I love that about New York. It's like anytime you're upset, you can step into the street, walk 15 minutes and find one and find people who make you feel like you're not going crazy. And that's been amazing. So just, I think right now, if you're showering, you can make a meal or two, like you're, you're great for the rest of the year, really. I agree. I agree. Celebrate the small wins. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Getting up and having a shower. Yeah. Getting up and feeding yourself getting yeah, up and yeah. carving out that space um and it's amazing that you're in a kind of environment where you when you feel like you need to put that anger or that energy somewhere like you have the capacity to immediately kind of find people who are who are on the same page I think that's that's powerful obviously you know we've been in this time of um extreme isolation so it's it's really important to be able to have that have a network even if they're not necessarily people that you know yeah so um in terms of kind of like reflecting again um, on the extract that you've shared with us. Would there be any advice that you would give to yourself in that moment um, when she was writing, the younger you was writing this extract? Is there anything that you'd want her to know? I would just say, again, it's okay to have self-doubt, but always recognize the origin of that doubt and um, trust that you you will never be able to control things, but you are developing the tools you need to handle whatever comes. Um, and so be reassured by that. I would tell her that uh, the verdict is not like a deadline to healing. I think I had the belief at the time that that was all I needed to secure in order to be all right again and breathe easy and for things to return to normal. I think I even thought that while writing the book, that when I was done with the book, it's like, okay, I did it. Now things can be better again. And I think um, it's more about accepting the losses, you know, what cannot be redeemed, um, but also acknowledging the growth. And, yeah, just be so proud of yourself. Like I didn't, I didn't realize at the time how much I was handling. And I think survivors don't give themselves enough credit for like how much you're being put through um, and how terrifying it is and how hard it is to suffer something so privately. And so really just like realize how much you're taking on, even if it doesn't seem like much because you're just like lying in a room. It's a lot. So I just say like, wow, <laughs> I'm in awe of you and just continue to listen to yourself and develop that and pay attention to nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the mental lo load is, is very real. Um, and I'm sure a lot of survivors will appreciate those words from you. For sure. I wish I'd had someone giving me that kind of advice, you know, age 16, experiencing the things that 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 were going on I think that's a really powerful 
a powerful thing to say, you know? Yeah, because like so much of the loop in my head at the time was like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I spent all my time trying to find the answer to that question. And I was like, that was never the right question <laughs> at all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. one thing actually I wanted to ask you about was um, the development of your writing style. Because I, I know you've probably heard this like a million and one times now. So I'm just going to gas you up a little bit. But, you know, it was one of the most beautifully written books I've I've ever had 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 the sort of like yeah pleasure pleasure of reading and and I think you know I'm really excited to to read whatever it is you do next whether that's fiction or or yeah non-fiction or or, or whatever yeah and I think correct me if I'm wrong but is your mum a writer as well yeah she's written multiple books in Chinese which is why she she doesn't shy away from deep emotions she's very open like there was never a moment of like oh don't share that because it's family business you know she was like let them know (laughs) (laughs) it was great (laughs) love that I love that I was I was actually with Liv's family um this weekend and that your family are kind of like that as well of like very (laughs) emotional no but it was great and like my family is perhaps not that emotional at all (laughs) but like you know great in our own way and you know it was it was really beautiful to be around so it must have been a a lovely home environment but um I guess my question sorry was was that um you know when you were writing the book were you getting kind of like advice from her was did she sort of read your writing growing up and yeah how did you become so good at the form at you know the actual getting the words down on the page was it just a lot of practice yeah yeah no I love that question I actually don't get that many questions about writing which is always sad because it's my passion and I studied literature and it's a very deliberate it's deliberate what I do and it's I think it's a lot about craft and how you say something um and yeah growing up I (laughs) my mom signed me up for FAC which was future authors camp Oh, I, nice. <laughs> I have my like little certificates <laughs> from FAC, but I always wanted to be a writer, but I also thought the only way I could be one was like when I was retired and like in a little cottage by the sea, like that's how it was sort of presented to me. And I also think about like in school, we had to read like Shakespeare and Chaucer and Milton and we called them the dead white guy requirements. <laughs> um, yeah, but like now looking back I'm like oh that's what I thought literature was when really like our emotions can be literature too you know it's not just like sensitive journal entries it's not like the story of the survivor like this is craft this is intentional and then you know my editor Andrea was incredible and would speak to me every Friday just to sort of check in and make sure I hadn't like slipped off into the deep end which was really important. And one thing that I really liked that she suggested was people who may not have been assaulted may underestimate their ability to empathize with this story. And I've always been, it's like so off-putting because I'm like, all of these feelings are universal. You know, they're not specific to being assaulted. They're just human. And so what we would do is when we get to a point in the story of my case, like at the hospital or in the courtroom, there'd be a moment and my editor would say, okay, what is the emotional core of this moment? Is it humiliation? Is it feeling small, being disrespected, being silenced? Is it fear? 
And then she'd say, think of another memory in your life with that same emotional core. Like it can be from childhood or whatever. Um, And then take us to that one. And then, so I would write in a completely separate memory um, from another part of my life that someone else may be able to project themselves into more easily. So then it becomes another entry point into that same emotion. So even if you've never done a rape kit or like testified, I tried to create all these entry points into the story so you can feel what's going on. Like we've all felt these things in some form, I do believe. And so I hope that that created more empathy and that more people realized they can relate to survivors in some way. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reread it out and like look for all those moments where that, <laughs> that happened. Um, but thank you for sharing that with us. It's a really interesting approach. And actually, it's the first time I've heard a writer articulate that partic- that process before. So um, yeah, yeah, that, that's really cool. I guess finally, we would love it if you could reflect on what you think your younger self or the, the person in that moment would think about where you are now and this kind of mad journey that you've been on, really. Yeah, she would not believe it because in high school, I didn't volunteer for a single assembly, like could never imagine myself on a stage in lecture halls in college. I did not ask a single question. If the class was over like 40 people, no chance. Like I am so good at observing and listening and being a background person. And I also thought that not being opinionated growing up was a good thing. Like the ability to remain neutral and not get in fights was like great. And then I realized, no, there are people who pay a cost for that. Whoever is being oppressed is paying a cost and you can either choose to say something or not, but there's no such thing as not taking a side. And that's something I learned growing up. And so I think I would just say to my younger self, like, don't underestimate who you will become. Don't draw boundaries around what you can do. Um, Because I think that the more I'm asked to do bigger things and more I'm called to, like, show up, I figure out a way to do it. It doesn't mean that I was always outspoken or always ready to do these things. Even interviews, like, I had to go through trainings and learn to speak. I had to go through years of therapy to tell this story without crying. And so I hope even now I just sort of tell myself, stay open. You don't know who you're becoming. You don't know what mediums you'll work in. Um, So I'm just eager to not define myself and will continue to keep learning. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And you've shared so much with us, honestly, from your kind of personal experience and journey to writing tips (laughs) um you know it's been such an enjoyable experience to hear to hear from you in this more kind of intimate and direct way so thank you so much well thanks for creating such a wonderful trusting and creative environment Liv and Charlie and I love Galdem I loved my interview with you all last year so now I just have to go create something else so I can be invited back next year (laughs) you've always got a seat at this table so (laughs) of course literally yeah I'm gonna be trying to get you to write stuff for us and everything yeah (laughs) Um, 
Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chanel. And hopefully speak to you very soon. All right. See y'all later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. A story like this is always going to be, um, is, is always going to be really powerful to hear from, from someone like Chanel, um, who's been through what she's been through. Um, but as I sort of alluded to at the close of the podcast, you know, this is honestly one of the best books I've ever read in my like entire life. And certainly maybe I actually would say it's the best ever nonfiction book I've read. So it, yeah, it was truly an honor to have her on the, on the podcast. And, um, and I appreciate, I appreciate that she's still willing to push herself and, and be open and talk about these things that she's obviously worked very hard to get to the place, um, where she can do that. And, um, that she, advocates for the survivors as well um yeah I just I just thought that was great and it was also obviously brilliant yeah. to hear some writing tips from her at the end there and I I've, I've heard before from writers from from black authors as well that they they don't basically authors who are tied up in a specific identity or boxed in into a specific identity often don't get asked about the the craft of writing and the form of writing so I, I'm glad that we were able to give her the opportunity yeah it was interesting I think that she said that she'd not actually been asked that before because it seems like such a clear thing to ask because you know the, it, the way that she's articulated her experiences as you've said has been done in such a beautiful way and yeah I just think she was you know so generous and so so giving with what with what she chose to kind of share with us and just articulates things in a way which feels particularly illuminating and clear and like you're learning and taking in so much from what it is that she has to say and yeah I mean just a phenomenal um opportunity I guess to be able to sit down with her um and him more on a on a on a more one-to-one I guess basis and and yeah it was it was it was beautiful just to listen I think and take everything in and yeah, like you said, where do you begin with, with something, with, with her, <laughs> with yeah, this story? Well, yeah, just read the book, basically. Go go buy the paperback, guys, <laughs> um, if we haven't made that clear enough already. Um, um, but yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we keep speaking over it. Yeah, uh, you go. Go on then. That's all right. We said thank you now. But yeah. um, thank you um, from me and my twin, Charlie Brinkhurst-Carve. Um, if you want to find out more about Galdem, you can go to the website, gal-dem.com you can find out more about our membership model and how to stay up to date with us and we hope that you enjoyed this episode and there will be more to come um in the following weeks so yeah do please like share subscribe let people know what you think about the show if you're enjoying it so far this has been an ii studios production Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 